The Secrets of Star Trek. These are the conversations on the StarQuest Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore the world of Star Trek, to seek out new ideas and ancient inspiration, to boldly reveal what no eye has seen before. Please input command codes. Do you mind telling me what this is all about? Captain, I suggest the Vulcan mind probe. When we run analysis, we should have some explanations. Captain, uh, check the engines. The warp drive, that's a hopeless pile of junk. Can you give me warp eight? Aye, sir. And maybe a wee bit more. I'll sit on the warp engines myself and nurse them. That position, Mr. Scott, would not only be unavailing, but also undignified. Program complete. Enter when ready. Well, hey there, and welcome to another episode of The Secrets of Star Trek with a new intro that I cobbled together today. With me on the bridge of the StarQuest Enterprise, Maria Johnson from Conyers, Georgia. How are you, Maria? I'm doing great. It's always a busy time of year in the spring for educators, and coupled with my son's graduation, I'm running around like a nut. Wow. When's vacation starting? Uh, the 28th. Ooh, so it's uh, me. a couple of weeks more and then it's finally, you can dedicate every single minute of the day to f- harvesting your crops <laughs> on Farmville. <laughs> and Star Trek trivia. <laughs> and Star Trek trivia. Also with us, Steve Nelson. Hello, everybody. It's great to be back on another episode. Yes, and Steve hasn't had breakfast yet. And, uh, no, I'm pretty hungry. <laughs> and it's like in the middle of the day. Is your replicator broken? or? <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't been grocery shopping yet this week, so the pantry's a little bare. Oh, my God. This week? So you haven't eaten for, for days. <laughs> Poor man. <laughs> no, it's not been quite that bad. <laughs> we'll send a rescue shuttle your way. <laughs> also joining us, Mike Kuypers. Captain Mike, how is life? Oh, fine, fine. It's just- so far, so good, I would say. You've got some uh, some meteorologic problems on your planet, right? On your side yeah, of the planet. we're having intermittent uh, thunderstorms here. A thunderstorm, so. oh my goodness. Yeah. Hopefully you, I will, you won't lose me or I won't lose you. <laughs> Let's hope so. Well, if uh, if we lose you, we'll, we'll beam you up again. That's, that's not right. a problem. Probably. It's it's never, uh, it's never your fault. It's always the fault of the computer. <laughs> yes, that's right. So let's start our show with uh, the uh, the regular question. Have you been watching any Star Trek lately, uh, Steve? <laughs> I've been trying to educate myself a little bit better on Deep Space Nine. So I watched uh, an episode uh, this week. It was pretty interesting, one I hadn't seen before. And did you start at the beginning or um, just a random episode? Um, I started with the first episode of season two called The Homecoming. Oh, wow. I'm I'm not there yet. I'm somewhere. I think I watched another episode. No, actually, I watched two episodes of uh, DS9. Uh, it was almost uh, five, six days ago, so I forgot what the episodes were about. But it was, <laughs> it's actually pretty good. I'm I'm getting into it. Even the, you know, the annoying uh, what's their name with the big ears? They the start, Ferengi. The Ferengi. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, they're not as bad as I thought they they were. Uh, there was this episode where um, uh, I think it's kind of a, one of a friend of one of the crewmen. Um, she is she's 
kind of trafficking like uh, historical uh, artifacts, and she's been kind of on a date, on a five-year date with Q. And then she arrives on the on this on on the space station, and Q is is uh, trying to convince her not to break up. And she's so completely fed up, having like spent years with Q. <laughs> she's like, I'm 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 giving up on you. And then he's like, So, but life is going to be quite difficult with me not being around. Remember that time you got infected by that uh, little bacteria there, and uh, remember what you looked like. And then boom, she turns into this horrible old lady with kind of. <laughs> terrible skin and everything and she looks awful <laughs> and uh, he turns her, he turns he changes her back and then there's there are these strange um, power failures of the ship and nobody knows what's what's causing it and it turns out it has to do with some device that she tried to sell uh, through the Ferengi um, so it's it's not really a very good episode but it was great to see Q on, on DS9 I, the Q episodes are always the best I so it's it's like the quintessential bully (laughs) I loved it how he was uh, he's teasing uh, Cisco uh, because Cisco is like get off my bridge and just go away and leave us alone and he's he's not biting at all he's like come on Captain Picard at least he would have like these off the cuff remarks and he was kind of funny and you're so boring (laughs) basically just constantly telling Cisco you're boring man (laughs) uh and then they get into a boxing fight. Ah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so what was your episode about, Steve? Um, it was about... Well, most the, most of it had to do with... Uh, what's her name? Kara Norris, the uh, Bajoran major. Oh, yeah. The, she, the girl who was first a dude, and before that was a girl, and before that was probably something else. That's Dax. Oh, sorry, that was Dax. Oh. I, I'm a noob. Okay. I'm I'm a total noob to DS9. I thought what so so she's a De- no, what? A Dexoran? A Bajoran. A Bajoran. Bajoran. Oh, that's the other yeah. one. The, the Bajorans are the guys Big with the, the people with the strange uh, ear uh, jewelry, right? Right, right. Oh, yeah. and, and and their nose a... looks as if they've been punched in the nose too many times. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, always, you know, if you don't have any other ideas, you give them forehead ridges. And right, that right, makes, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was a pretty good episode. She, uh, it's, I think it's like the first of a three-parter where she goes off and she rescues a, um, a Bajoran uh, rebel fighter who had been captured by the Cardassians. And he came comes back to be the the great political leader or something like that and so it was pretty interesting it gave you a lot uh, some insight into Bajor which I hadn't really known much about mm-hmm. cool Mike did you watch any episodes uh, yes I, I uh, watched Erin of Mercy from the, the original Star Trek is that the third season also or uh, it was from the I think from the first season okay cool um, it, it had to do with the Oh, uh, there was a, uh, a war between the Federation and the Klingons. Uh, they, they declared war, and they were uh, sort of fighting over this one planet uh, ruled by the Organians. And the Organians are uh, sort of a peaceful, primitive race. What they eat all uh, organic or what? No, <laughs> or- yeah, Organians. Think, no, maybe they did. I don't know. But they they, they dressed in peasant uh, outfits, you know, and they they lived in in uh, very simple uh, buildings and things and um, they they didn't seem to have anything to offer except that, that it was a good location for 
like a good strategic location for either side of the war. And um, and the Klingons uh, moved in right away and tried to take over everything by force and uh, started ruling with an iron fist and and the Organians were totally peaceful and they they had no they offered no resistance and they they didn't want to uh-huh. and, and Kirk and Spock uh, landed there and and, and uh, tried to convince them to fight back and they said no no that's not our way we're you know we're peaceful we're not going to fight back and and so um, uh, even even when it got to the point where the Klingons, uh, well, first Kirk and Spock were uh, disguised on the world. Uh, Kirk was disguised as one of the Organians, and Spock was a, a Vulcan merchant. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and so, so right at first, the Klingons didn't know that the, they were from the Enterprise. And um, yeah, anyway, they. T- <laughs> I know I'm not explaining this very well, but they, uh, when the Klingons started to uh, to uh, kill like the Organians 200 at a time, this is after Kirk. Uh, well, I'm not doing very a very good job. It <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't. Anyway, uh, we find out the reason that uh, that the these peaceful beings offer no resistance is because. Well, it turns out they're they're actually highly evolved, and and the state that we're seeing them in, the peasant people, is not really their true form. That they've evolved much higher than that, and that, that they're oh. actually beings of, of light. They're spears of light. So they don't they, they don't care if if their bodies no, get attacked yeah. uh, because they they still they are already these luminous beings. Beings is that is that that's it? right. In fact, they they put an end to the war between the Federation and the Klingons just by making all of their weapons too hot to touch. Oh, okay. Yeah, they can't uh, handle the weapons. They can't uh, fire the buttons and the. Uh, in the ships can't press the weapon buttons and and they're uh, they can appear on other planets uh, simultaneously uh, the organians and, and do the same thing in other worlds too so by doing that they they put an end to the war and of course the klingons and, and kirk are indignant that the you know like how dare you put an end to our war <laughs> you know right. i mean this is this this should be we should have a say in this and they said yeah well no you know we're not going to have a war here you know we're peaceful and and we're just going to stop the war and that's it <laughs> which sounds, i kind of like it, sounds you know, like, like uh it was a nice little twist on it that the for once uh they were not in control the you know the like the enterprise yeah. enterprise crew uh, was not in control of uh, another civilization's destiny or whatever it's, it sounds a bit <laughs> like uh, like parents putting an end to the, their fighting to the fight of their children and and, exactly, and when that happened exactly, to me when i was exactly. young i was like well, hey this is my fight i am hitting my brother don't interfere <laughs> we are right, not going right. to have a fight you go to your room and your brother goes to his room and you think exactly. about it and then yes. when you're calmed down yes. you can come back <laughs> in the room well, and that's pretty much the way it ended because kirk in reflection he's back on his on the enterprise mm-hmm. he's reflecting about what happened and he said you know uh, I'm I'm embarrassed at my at my own behavior because you know how did, oh, okay. how we didn't want a war to begin with and right. yet when, when they took away our our weapons and everything I was very angry about that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so yeah, despite the fact yeah. that the, the 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 Star Trek, uh, well, the Federation and everything kind of strives to be peaceful, yeah. uh, you oftentimes uh, it, it's it's much harder <laughs> to do when you're being attacked and when there's a real enemy around. Right. Uh, well, that's interesting. Kind of really fits with the the very the peace seeking. Uh, mission of, of the whole series uh, at least in the beginning where yes. it's all about reaching this kind of higher ev- evolution this higher state of evolution where there will be no more war no more greed basically kind of a right. bad John Lennon song in, in, <laughs> in the future <laughs> right yeah I uh, Maria what, imagine <laughs> yeah imagine I was thinking of that <laughs> yeah Oh. Imagine no more Star Trek. I that, wonder that if you can. <laughs> Maria, did you watch any Star Trek? I watched a, a fantastic episode this week uh, from season four, Voyager, called "Hope and Fear." Uh, it was actually the last episode of the of the season, the season finale, and I I enjoyed it immensely. And it didn't. I didn't intend for it. I wasn't looking for a parenting episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it ended up fitting very nicely with with the theme that we'd been talking about, so that fits very well. Cool. Yeah, I was thinking to of continuing our discussion about parenthood, and since this is uh, we're a few days before uh, Mother's Day, it would actually be uh, interesting to talk about motherhood in the Star Trek universe and see if we can uh, have a discussion about that and see some motherly figures. Uh, mm-hmm. on uh, on the, the various bridges of, of the Enterprises. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that episode in our second segment. Um, I've been watching uh, <laughs> a lot of Star Trek. I had a very calm week, so I got plenty of time to watch TV. And I I saw uh, so a couple of episodes of DS9, and then I, I, I'm still uh, uh, working my way through the second season of uh, Next Generation, and there were some great episodes. Um, there was a, a we we had an episode of our show about the Prime Directive. I think it was one of our first shows, and uh, at the time I hadn't seen this episode, this particular episode called Pen, Paul, Pen Pals. It's uh, um, number two hundred and fifteen, and it's an episode uh, during which Data uh, he kind of intercepts, and it seems like there are a number of scenes that were cut from the episode because it's very confusing sometimes there or perhaps I fell asleep during part of the episode but at one point uh, Data has these messages from a child on a doomed planet there seems to be this whole planetary system where the planets are basically blowing up Uh, there are like volcanic eruptions and one planet after another is destroyed or is on auto-destruct and so Data has somehow intercepted a message or is, is in communication with a child and the child is asking for help and then, of course, Data uh, talks with uh, with Picard and uh, and Riker about this, and 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 is like, "So, what are we going to do?" And then Riker is like, "Well, we cannot break the Prime Directive. We cannot interfere. If this planet is 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 going to self destruct. Then we have to just step back. And there's we we cannot try to rescue uh, this the, the people of, of this planet. And then." Data is playing. <laughs> Data is playing the emotion card. He's the only person who actually should be thinking about this in a non-emotional way. But he just walks to a console. He presses a button, and he plays the message of the child, at begging to be rescued. And that's where everybody starts to break up. And 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 Picard is well. Well, no, we cannot pre- break the Prime Directive. And then he listens to the message, and then. <sighs> 
oh well oh well what the heck <laughs> and, and so they're gonna fix the planet rescue the child data's actually beamed down and he can he's uh, allowed to, to save the child and um and there's a very funny um uh, kind of once they start breaking the prime directive they they continue to break it and 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 it's getting worse and worse and at one time Riker is just looking at Picard and he's like how far do you think we're into this and then Picard puts his his hand up to his neck as to indicate we're in it to in our neck and then at one point data is uh is wanting to he brings back the child to the enterprise there's no other way to rescue it and then so he brings the child on the bridge and then Picard is like who brought this other this alien from another planet a child on my bridge and then Riker looks at uh, Picard and so how far are we in it right now and then <laughs> Picard puts his hand on top of his head <laughs> it was just so funny and well, Data uh, is known to like uh, small children and furry animals yeah apparently and cats <laughs> and, and nothing aggravated Picard more than having kids on the bridge. oh yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> oh well I think that wraps it up for our first uh, segment here of, uh, of the show we're going to do a short break and uh, we'll be back with our main discussion of today which is about parenthood and more precisely about motherhood I think you could see Data almost as a substitute parent for uh, at least for kids and for cats (laughs) oh well we'll be back with uh, more of the secrets of Star Trek right after this take some time during this break to uh, to tell you that this show is actually brought to you by the SQPN store, which is an Amazon affiliate store. It means that if you go to Amazon through the link on our website on sqpn.com, on the right-hand side there is a, a graphic of the Amazon store, um, a small percentage of the money that Amazon makes on your purchase and that they would usually put in their own pockets, they will give it to SQPN and that helps us to continue producing these shows. So uh, it's, it's, it's really no extra cost for you. Uh, it, it, it's only a, a little bit of effort to go to sqpn.com and click on the Amazon link there before you go shopping on Amazon. But it, it helps us out a lot. So um, during these breaks on, on the show, I want to uh, just go over some, some cool Star Trek stuff that you can find on Amazon and, uh, and that I want to recommend. And, and of course... The first thing I want to recommend is the uh, are, is the series themselves. You can get uh, all the series on DVD, and I bet you that uh, soon we will get uh, uh, some Blu-ray versions as well. The, the The original series is already out on Blu-ray, and I I bought all three seasons, and it's amazing. Uh, these are the high definition versions, so these these episodes have been restored, completely color corrected. Uh, they uh, uh, redid the sound. Uh, they take took out a lot of the the blemishes and the the, the 
you know, the, they cleaned up the image tremendously. And of course, it's, uh, it's sampled in high resolution. It looks awesome. The only problem were the special effects. They didn't really hold up. And so they redid the special effects, but in a very respectful way. And the result is just gorgeous looking and fantastic sounding episodes of the original series. So go check that out. It's definitely recommended. If you're a Star Trek fan, you got to have those Blu-ray versions. Oh, yes! I hate this! It is revolting! More? Please. <laughs> I hope you uh, don't find this show to be too revolting. And that you keep asking for more because uh, we're having some more Secrets of Star Trek here. We, uh, we're going to dive right into uh, our, uh, our, sec- our topic of the day, which is motherhood on the bridge of the Enterprise. Now, Maria, before the break, you told us about an episode that you watched of uh, Voyager uh, called, what was it? Hope and Fear? Hope and Fear, yes. It was the season finale from uh, season four, I think. Yeah. So uh, let's listen to the trailer. It's the opportunity they've been waiting for. It appears that Starfleet has provided us with a new ship. All systems are go. Hang on! To return to Earth. You're home. But you have failed. Unless something terrifying. At our present speed, we will enter Borg space in less than 12 minutes. Stops them dead in their tracks. This is what you wanted all along. To go back to your collective? On the next Star Trek Voyager. Okay, I hear Janeway. I hear Seven of Nine. Are there some uh, mother-daughter problems here in this episode? Oh, yes. And uh, I had a, a little bit of a flash flashback in my personal life and uh, I didn't really I didn't really intend to watch this show looking for that particular relationship but it was just so very clear and overt that I thought we could talk about it today uh, essentially what's happening is uh, is that the the uh, Voyager f- had received uh, a communication from Starfleet some months before and it was very uh, corrupted the, the, the files were just badly messed up and Janeway had really been tackling it to, to the point of exhaustion to try to decode it and, and, and fix it. And so she's having some relationship issues with Seven, who is exhibiting all of the characteristics of a teenager. She's, she's being quite adolescent. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Is that new for Seven of Nine? Is that just a temporary well, phase? Or <laughs> um, more so than, um, than you... I think uh, Maria just dropped off. No, no, no. Hold on. Oh, she's there. (laughs) (laughs) More so than usual. And and what happened is that uh, she started fighting with Janeway, or at least coming up up to her in a a manner that was, um, well, insubordinate for a Starfleet person, but uh, just kind of challenging an obnoxious teenager for, I guess, where Seven is developmentally uh, learning to be a human. And, and so Janeway rules her with an iron f- uh, fist. Really? <laughs> but, but with love also. And, uh, and she, you know, she's very firm and, and consistent with Seven. <laughs> <laughs> and Seven is just behaving badly. One of the things that uh, she does, for example, is that it, the, the show starts off with them playing a game in, in the holodeck. And uh, like many parents who trounce their children, uh, Seven wanted to play again. And the captain had work to do and said no. And so, you know, 
seven started to pout and have a little tantrum of sorts that <laughs> no that she was going to play so it was kind of silly to see an adult woman uh, exhibiting that kind of behavior but at the same time recognizing that emotionally she's going through these feelings of, of really growing up and, and testing her independence and, and testing the boundaries and uh, the captain lets her to a point and then stops it and isn't that what what causes most problems during puberty? Is isn't that 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 a child actually starts to explore new worlds and new civilizations, new boundaries, and that <laughs> <laughs> you actually have to uh, let the child know that uh, no, your universe is not endless yet. <laughs> <And> <laughs> she was indeed pushing those boundaries, and uh, at, at one point it really made me laugh. She suggested to Janeway, "Well, you know, I'm not going to go on with you." They they believe that they have found a ship that can take them back to the Alpha Quadrant. And uh, Seven says that she's not going. And uh, it plays into the title of the episode, Hope and Fear. Of course, the, the Voyager crew is hopeful that this could be the solution to their, to their e e exile. And uh, Seven sees it as a potentially frightening situation where she's going to have to face not 120-something humans, but all of, all of humanity back on Earth. Yeah, it's it's. It, I think that that's it's mostly fear what probably puts her in that kind of childish state uh, where she's like, uh, I don't know, I I cannot go back to the Borg, I cannot, but I I'm not sure about this whole human thing either. Mm -hmm. and that must be a tough situation to be in, and and in, in in a way, it's almost an identity crisis, which again I think is uh, very characteristic of a lot of you know puberty problems where you wonder, you know, you're you're no longer a child. And yet you're not an adult, so the adult world also scares you a little bit. And you're kind of in this in-between world, and uh, it, it's, uh, <laughs> behavior starts to become very erratic in those uncertain circumstances. And, and then you, 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 need, you need parents to actually guide you through that, I think. Or parents can be very important. Uh, Steve, you were saying? I was going to say, this... Uh, maybe it's just because of my background, but this reminds me a lot of what happens to college graduates when they reach the end of their college years and they're suddenly they're faced with being on their own and they can't turn back and go the direction they just came from. And so they have to be pushed out and it's like, all right, go have fun, figure out life on your own now. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck with that. <laughs> so and, and, and what kind of behavior do you see then? Are, are just uh, kids are cocooning, or they they don't dare to do anything, or oh, it's uh, it's all over the place. Some of them, you know, they they want to move home and live with their parents, and and some of them are just in denial, and it's like, well, if I just wait long enough, something good will happen. So <laughs> I don't know. Is this something that you have in in the United States as well? Over here in Europe, we've got these eternal students. So basically, and I've got a, a couple of them in my own family, <laughs> and oh, they still <laughs> behave like students, and they even live among students, even though you know they're already thirty-five. And <laughs> and you're like, wow, isn't it time to start something else in your life? And it, it just scares them, and they they well, go from job teachers, to job. Father, we become teachers. <laughs> we become teachers. <laughs> Yeah, or campus ministers. That's, I was always confused. People would say, the only reason you want to be a campus minister is because you're not ready to leave college yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
So for you, becoming the director of, of SQPN, that was a big step, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had left college for a while, and so my return wasn't wasn't predicated on that solely. But yeah, SQPN hmm. is a big is a big jump. <laughs> Could that explain your erratic behavior? Hmm. Fascinating. I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Juliana uh, posted in the chat room here at SQPN Connect uh, a quote from, uh, or it's actually part of the of the script, I think, of the episode of Voyager that uh, Maria is referring to. Um, and this must be from the end, where uh, Seven of Nine says, You are correct, ca Captain. My desire to remain in the Delta Quadrant was based on fear. I am no longer Borg, but the prospect of becoming human is unsettling i don't know where i belong and then janeway answers you belong with us <laughs> assuring her of her place among the crew of voyager uh and according to juliana that's a perfect example uh on a quote that a real mom would tell a teenager it's it's like you you are you're one of us don't don't worry don't fear and if you and if you watch the episode throughout it janeway is trying to um i think validate that uh, that seven is maybe ready for some more, but uh, doesn't want her to make a mistake, you know. And I think that as parents, that's, that's certainly one of our our biggest worries is that our children are going to make mistakes. And uh, the problem is not that we know more than they do; it's just that we've experienced the same, you know, places in 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 our lives that they're experiencing at the moment, and we know that patience and not being rash and not jumping to to quick decisions is usually the best course to take. And of course, you know, Seven wants nothing of that. And uh, Janeway was probably, I wouldn't be surprised if she was channeling some of her own experience uh, as the mother of, of, of some adolescents. But uh, yeah, I think that she did a very good job, Janeway did, in supporting her and at the same time delineating the parameters this is the way it is and i know that you want to run off into the delta quadrant and have your adventures but you're safer here you're better off here and so it was almost well it was almost petty the way that uh that seven was behaving <laughs> I, of course, I, i'm biased as a mom as opposed yeah. to you know being 21 and wanting to go off on an adventure but in, in a way, uh, Janeway is definitely, I think, the mom of Star Trek. She, she has that attitude towards most of her crew, where she's kind of always um, very responsible, very wise also, um, and, and, and very different from, uh, let's say, a guy like Picard, who is totally unfit as a dad. <laughs> he's just really, uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't know how to handle kids. He, he just wants everybody to be grown up right away. And perhaps, well, perhaps some dads are like that, but uh, he's much more, um, he has more trouble, I think, identifying what, what the adolescent, like like uh, uh, Will Wheaton's character, needs in terms of affirmation. And, and he only discovers it a bit by bit by, by hearing it actually from, from, uh, uh, from, from Wesley's uh, real mom and, and, and by having some conversations with other crew members. But I guess that, that even Data has more parenting skills than Picard at the beginning. <laughs> Would you say, though, that uh, men generally have more trouble with that inherent ability to be a father figure than women do? Women do being a mother figure? I think it depends. I don't, I don't think... 
I, I don't want to stereotype, but but I do think that mom mothers have uh, perhaps uh, it's 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 easier for them to kind of identify or or you know. T- I don't know. There was a big difference between my my father and my mom, and and I would have very like personal uh, discussions and talks with my mom, whereas my father would be more like at least especially during puberty, he would he would be the law, you know, and my mom would be the explanation of the law. <laughs> but don't you think that those are those roles are the roles are different, and and they need the children need both parts of it because. You know, I know that at least I can speak from from my experience and and with my husband. Somebody has to rule and somebody has to, uh, I don't want to make it sound like it's the father who has to be the disciplinarian because that's not always the case, but that, um, that the father has a different role to teach the children to, to be strong in the world, to teach the children to be fearless, to, to teach them a certain amount of accountability, um, whereas the mothers can can be a softer side for, for the children. And again, we're kind of falling into cultural stereotypes, mm-hmm. but I think that the, the, the question that I'm posing, and I will probably get some feedback on, is that, um, you know, somebody has to, somebody has to provide a balance of, of strength and softness and it's usually the fathers who provide that strength and it's usually the mothers who provide the softness yes yeah, so I think I, I would say yeah in, in, in general it's like that and there are of course uh, exceptions to the rule because I've, I've, I've known parents where it's exactly the opposite where the dad is like the, the wuss <laughs> Now, don't call me a wuss. No, I didn't call you a wuss. <laughs> Nor did I want to offend any parent or mother or father. <laughs> no, but you've got these dads that are like super soft and they're always like super emotional and the mom is like the law, you know. Don't mess with me, kid. <laughs> <laughs> so I, th- I think what, what's most important is that there is a balance, like you say, that that if you've got two parents who are both you know the law like both doing playing the uh, the Rambo card <laughs> uh, that's probably not going to work and if you've got parents that are super permissive and they're, they're and I think that's kind of the uh, I, I grew up in the 70s and I saw a lot of parents of, of of kids in my class in school that were both you know very touchy-feely and uh, uh, a man has to learn how to cry and 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 none of the parents actually opposed any boundaries to the kids and then some of these kids really were permitted to do anything and it was the the teachers in school that had to actually and and the parents told them you've got to you know teach my kids some uh, some proper behavior because we're not going to do it you know we want to be these sensitive parents and uh, our kids we're not going to stand in the way of their development <laughs> and so of course the, the the teachers in school had the biggest problems because you cannot really replace, I think, the the role and the responsibility of parents. And if you do, you're bound to get into trouble with the kid or with the parents. Any other moms in Star Trek? I know that uh, Balana um, gets pregnant, but does, does she actually? Do we see her uh, being a mom in during during Voyager? I've I've never finished the Voyager series, so I don't know. Uh, she ha- actually during her pregnancy I thought it was kind of um, you know very typical as well that she had some serious concerns about the health of the baby about you know it's just things that, that most parents worry about 
when when you're talking about to, to young parents or first-time parents, everybody's concerned about is it a boy or is it a girl? And the usual answer is as long as it's healthy. Um, and I don't mean that in a trite way, but really, as long as the baby's healthy. And then, you know, you have some other things that happen, and those are concerns and fears that people have. And she was kind of playing that out during her pregnancy because I think we raised the issue before. Uh, their baby would be bicultural or, and bi, yeah. biracial or by species, I guess. It's like uh, man and and and, uh, and Klingon, right? Yes. How, do, how would you call that? Kling, kling, kling man? Confused. Meng on? A me- <laughs> kling a man? Klingling. Klingling. <laughs> it's a klingling. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. I didn't even know that these species were compatible, but apparently, yeah. <laughs> and I think that uh, uh, even the doctor in uh, in Voyager, one one of my favorite uh, characters. We uh, state the nature of the medical emergency. Th- that doctor, <laughs> he even at one point creates a holographic uh, uh, family, and then, uh, but he's he's super permissive. And his kids can do basically anything. And then I think Balana helps him to, to tweak it a little bit to make it more real. And, uh, and, and so he has to learn that uh, part of good parenting is actually having limits and boundaries. And so, of course, the doctor being like this holographic computer program has to really put in these programming rules to set these boundaries, to program in the boundaries and the limits. That's very funny. Good metaphor. Hey, uh, the music is queuing up for our second break. And after the break, we'll uh, continue our discussion about motherhood and parenting in Star Trek. And we will talk about uh, some Star Trek tips of the week. All that and more on The Secrets of Star Trek right after the break. This show, The Secrets of Star Trek, is produced by the StarQuest Production Network. You can find the website at sqpn.com. And that might be a very interesting website for you to check out if you like this show, because we do a lot of other shows that are very similar to this one, both in the form, you know, with a panel, we go in depth uh, and and look at uh, kind of the symbolism and themes in popular movies and books but also in the composition of the panel because both Maria and Steve are also part of some of these other shows. Together with Maria and uh, Jim and uh, Lynn, I do a show called uh, The Secrets of Harry Potter where we go in depth on all the symbols and all the themes that you find in in Harry Potter. It's a show that we've been doing for years now and if you are only remotely interested in Harry Potter, you might want to check that show out because it will show you how deep the rabbit hole goes to uh, use a matrix metaphor <laughs> it is it's a it's an unbelievable uh, uh, saga that uh, jk rowling has uh, has written and a lot of the depth of it is hidden right underneath the surface and we try to kind of uncover that for you we also do a show um called the secrets of flash forward steve is on that uh on the panel of that show so if you like the tv show flash forward uh you might want to check that out i do a daily well it used to be a daily show but it's now a weekly show called uh the break with father roderick uh, that one is always recorded on monday it's a show that is both available as a podcast and it's also on some radio stations in the united states and it's a show about anything that i f- that 
that I find amazing, interesting, uh, that I get excited about. It's about anything uh, that constitutes a, a passion in my life. So it can go from, you know, the geek stuff and talking about the latest Apple gadgets. We talk about movies, about music, about uh, books, about current trends. It's, it's a very geeky show, but, um, but, but I also talk about, uh, about Catholics and their strange traditions and stuff that you might want to ask to a priest. <laughs> and so I answer weird questions and give some insight on, uh, on the mysterious world of these aliens that call themselves Catholics. So you might want to check that out. All those shows and more on sqpn.com. Please, Spock, do me a favor. And don't say it's fascinating. No. But it is interesting. Well, we hope that you still find this show interesting. <laughs> and we are continuing our show with our third segment. And uh, Maria had to leave for... Uh, I, it wasn't an emergency, right, Steve? But she had to leave. Steve, are you yeah, there? W- oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it wasn't an emergency. No. <laughs> but she had to go on an away mission. And uh, But, uh, Mike, you've been watching an episode of um, uh, the original series called Changeling. And that also has to do something with the theme of today. So I propose we, uh, we listen to uh, the tr- sound of the trailer and then we'll discuss it. Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. The presence of Nomad aboard my ship has become nightmarish. Your circuits. Warp 10, Mr. Scott. Impossible. Easy more stop. Condition red. Condition red. What do we do now? Go up and knock? Thanks to Captain. Helena. That mechanical beastie is up here. I felt like music. What is music? Keep away from the study. He's dead, Jim. Captain. He's dead, Jim. <laughs> so uh, this is about. Yeah, so uh, he was. <laughs> this this is about uh, some kind of robotic. Div- uh, it looks like a ro- yeah. like a almost a probe droid from yes, from it's Star a, it's Wars. A space probe that was created by a, a scientist named Jackson Roykirk, and it was uh, it was a, sort of a computer intelligence, but it was the its mission was just to uh, seek out intelligent life in space and. Uh, okay. And it was damaged in its, you know, along the way in its mission. Uh-huh. And it was uh, repaired by an alien probe, and they, they were sort of combined. And the other probe was a, um, a sterilization uh, probe. I think it was out to uh, sterilize diseases or something. Uh-huh. And, and the two when they were combined they both were damaged and both repaired each other and combined they became uh, this this uh, probe or de- device that would look for imperfections and, and eliminate them ah. and that included uh, all human beings of course because <laughs> 
human beings are imperfect. Absolutely. And, <laughs> wow. And when when the enterprise meets up with it, it's already already eliminated like over four and a half billion people. Okay. Uh, on well, some planets. And, and it's just a tiny and, little device, you know. When you yeah. when you see it, it looks like nothing at all. It's like and, that, like one right. third the size of R two D two. That's right. It's, it's wow. A meter tall, and it floats in in, uh, in the air. Uh-huh. And they uh, they beam it aboard. Uh, it, when it it was going to destroy the the Enterprise, but then when uh, Captain Kirk uh, identified himself as as James T. Kirk, it mistook uh, him for its creator. Or, oh, okay. Or its mother, in quotes. You. Know? Right, uh, so Kirk is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a mother figure all of a sudden. Yeah, that's sudden. Yeah, so uh, that that was the way they kind of controlled it. At least he tried to keep it under control and, by and having to believe that he was the creator or its creator. And uh, we we hear it talk to Uhura, so uh, th they can communicate. It can understand human language and and uh, yes, okay, and, and it can talk back. And yes, and the, anything it uh, perceives is having no use or being uh, imperfect in some way he would eliminate so he was uh, it it does uh, does some damage to Uhuru uh, makes her uh, because she, her singing is far from perfect yeah well, <laughs> everyone's a music critic you know? here here <laughs> that sounds awful <laughs> <laughs> well, it was more more interested in the nature of music and its purpose, I guess. But anyway, uh, in the course of the story, uh, uh, Scotty tries to intervene, and it lashes out and kills Scotty, and um, and he's dead, basically, as as Doc as Doctor McCoy says. Really, he, he's dead, Jim. Yes, and and. But the uh, the device um, Nomad—that's the name of the device—says, uh -huh. uh, um, "Oh, I can repair the unit if you like." <laughs> really? <laughs> and and Kirk says, yeah, "That's what I would like." That would know? be kind of so, nice. <laughs> yeah, so it uh, it brings it it does manage to bring Scotty back to life. Wow! Um, as if he were never harmed. So the device is called Nomad, and in, in uh, yes. like a like an, a nomad, literally wandering. Wandering right, through wandering, the universe, yeah, in search of, of well, in this case, imperfection. Yeah, and yeah, and uh, eventually it comes to to start to doubt that uh, Kirk is the perfect uh, creator, you know, uh, because he starts to see flaws in in Kirk and uh -huh. and how can, you know, so uh, he becomes more dangerous as he starts seeing flaws. Uh, Around the people around him, he he doesn't starts to not follow uh, what Kirk says. You know, uh, if Kirk issues an order, it ignores yeah. it. So, so they have to uh, quick uh, figure out a way how to destroy it, which mm -hmm. isn't easy because it's super powerful. Yeah. But uh, uh, they do this by by introducing logic and saying, well, you, uh, you your your mission is to eliminate anything that's imperfect, and you are imperfect. Because you have made these following mistakes, you you mistook me for your creator. I'm not your creator, and you didn't ah. follow up by by uh, correcting that mistake, and that was another mistake. And they they use all this logic, and and it kind of throws the uh, nomad into a mental uh, quandary of you know inactivity for <laughs> temporary, and and they managed to get it into the transporter beam, and. Ah. Uh, uh, 
you know, project out deep into deep space uh, before he explodes. He destroys himself. It's like uh, in an endless loop. <laughs> yeah, like, it's stuck in an endless loop. And, I didn't know and the logic they, could do that. Yes, right. <laughs> Dazzling display the, of logic. Uh, they, they talk about Kirk being, uh, Sarah being his mother, and he says, oh, yes, and I would have been very proud of him. Uh, my my son, the doctor, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if he had, uh, he had cured, uh, uh, he had, he had brought Scotty back to life and he said he would have made what a fine doctor he would have made <laughs> so, oh so, man but it's it, almost like a metaphor of puberty as well because yeah. it's uh, the the child that discovers that uh, wait a second my dad or my mom in this case is not perfect uh, yes. and, and, and parents can also fail and and that Re- can sometimes also uh, create uncertainty, insecurity, and and uh, can can create erratic behavior as well. That's so true. Interesting, interesting. Hey, we got to take a look at uh, some feedback that uh, came in because people are uh, posting some uh, reactions to our shows on sqpn.com. So uh, let's take a look at what people are writing. Captain, incoming message. Well, here's an incoming message from uh, Basil and uh, Basil writes in your most recent podcast you and your panel wondered about T'Pol's parents I don't know what became of her father but she and her mother were an ongoing storyline for several episodes at the beginning of season 4 there you have it I've never seen season 4 T'Pol married she um, but but she didn't wish to because she was close to Commander Tripp of course um, but she did marry so that her mom would retain her position at the academy. That's kind of terrible. But it's a, it's a nice sacrifice of her for her mom. Later, the Enterprise was ordered to Vulcan to investigate the bombing of the United Earth Embassy, a recent devastation which had resulted in the deaths of 43 people. Shortly after discovering that her mother, her mother was an, a member of the Serenites, Cyrani- an underground movement who were uh, deemed responsible for the bombing... Wow, that's that's kind of an explosive discovery. T'Pol left the ship to locate her mother and was transported with Archer to Vulcan's Forge. The Starfleet duo tracked the Serenites to the Takarath Sanctuary, where T'Pol and Archer found the group to be peaceful, far from the fanatics described by the Vulcan High Command. With Archer at Vulcan's, f- at Vulcan's Forge... Uh, the, the message is a little bit... Uh, <laughs> the transmission didn't came, come through. Uh, not long after T'Pol and Archer arrived at Takarath, the sanctuary was attacked and destroyed by the Vulcan government, killing many Serenites, including T'Pol's mom. Wow. And then, of course, T'Pol uh, was very strongly affected by her mother's death. Um, Basil also continues, you also asked if Vulcans know love. Of course they do, but not by, but, but they don't show it in outward signs of or declarations. Uh, but they show it rather by example. That's nice. And then uh, here's a quote. I think it was from uh, St. Francis. Preach the gospel always and when necessary use words. So apparently the Vulcans are kind of, uh, uh, you could say, Fran- Franciscan in there <laughs> in the way that they <laughs> they don't talk about love, but they just show it in their actions. Very cool feedback. Um, now, Kathy reacts to our discussion uh, in our last episode about uh, the monkeys <laughs> because the actor who played Chekhov uh, uh, was was uh, supposed Walter to be Koenig. 
Yeah, Walter Koenig was supposed to look like uh, the the singers from uh, The Monkees. So Kathy writes a couple of points. The group The Monkees was a group put together to do the show, but all of the people playing The Monkees were musicians before they were on the show. Um, I don't think that Davy Jones was anything but a singer. However, the other cast members were singer-songwriters and could play. So they were probably not just faking it. Also, if you look up the writing credits on the albums, especially the later ones, you will find writing credits for the actor and musicians that make up the monkey. So they did have some musical talent. They were not just playbacking. The actor playing Chekhov... Oh, this is about the wig discussion. Because yeah, I, I, was, I was reading um, Walter Koenig's... Um, uh, memoirs, and I, I distinctly remember him telling that his hair was fake and that he was wearing a wig because he didn't have enough hair by himself. Now, according to Kathy, the actor playing Chekhov did wear a wig the first season, but later grew out his own hair. He was meant to be a Beatles or monkeys looking guy to attract the younger female audience. Uh, if you want to see what the actor Walter Koenig like, looks like, just Google him. He was in the news recently because his son tragically took his own life. Yeah, I heard about that. That's, that's terrible. Um, and then Kathy ends her feedback by saying, I guess I would like to see these actors get the credit they were due instead of being made out to be no-talent guys that got some kind of random break which allowed them to be on TV. I don't know if she's criticizing us for uh, talking down the actors but no we, we do respect the actors and and I I do think that they did a, a good job most of most of them not all of them <laughs> but uh, no and I think that uh, there was actually some act, act, excellent uh, acting in uh, in in many episodes and to wrap up uh, the feedback um, let's see. Oh, this is feedback on another show. <laughs> I was like, what? This is talking about an, uh, a knee and running? <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Well, that was good feedback. If you've got any feedback on today's episode, you can send it to Star Trek at sqpn.com. Uh, I want to end with a tip of the day, and this is actually a tip by Maria, and uh, it's a YouTube video. And Maria, uh, earlier today, sent us this uh, this clip, and it's hilarious. Uh, on Star Trek, you've got a lot of techno babble, and, uh, and this guy has nothing to do with Star Trek, but he is the king of of techno babble. Several years ago, I'm reading what's written here on YouTube. Several years ago, Rockwell International decided to get into the heavy-duty transmission business. Uh, they were ready, getting ready to taper the first introduction video, and as a warm-up, the professional narrator began what has become a legend within the trucking industry. This man should have won an academy for his stellar performance. Now remember, this is strictly off the cuff. Nothing is written down. This became the biggest talk in the industry. Um, uh, and uh, well, let's let's let me just play this apparently improvised uh, warming up of this voice actor. Uh, let's see. Oh, of course, <laughs> doesn't play. <laughs> oh wait, ah, crud. <laughs> that's what you get when you don't prepare. Actually, the sound of the of the YouTube video is is way too low, so I can't I can't play it uh, because you won't be able to hear it. But it's unbelievable. It's like Star Trek techno babble in in overdrive. You absolutely have to have to uh, hear it to believe it. I'll put a link in the show notes on sqpn.com, and I'll make a n mental note to myself to be more prepared <laughs> for our next episode. Ah. Uh, 
I, I uh, we're recording this show live now. Um, the previous shows were uh, recorded, uh, and then I did a lot of post production to put in the sound effects and the YouTube clips. And I'm trying to save some time by recording this in one take. Um, but apparently, I have to make sure that these videos, you know, uh, that I listen to them before I play them because it's uh, otherwise it, it it gets a bit out of whack in terms of volume levels. Anyway, uh, perhaps I might play this techno babble uh, at the start of the next show. Thanks for listening. Thanks uh, to uh, Steve and Mike and to Maria to be uh, on our panel of today. Next week, uh, Mark will be also back on the show. He's currently without internet. And then, of course, it's kind of difficult to uh, communicate with the rest of us. We should send him a communicator. (laughs) That might help. Um, Steve, is there anything you want to plug at the end of this show? Oh, sure, yeah. I'd like it. Uh, if you like this show and you uh, also watch some of the more modern shows, you might check out the Secret of Flash Forward podcast. And then, of course, SQPN is, is rapidly uh, promoting and preparing for the uh, third annual Catholic New Media Celebration in Boston. So if you'd like to meet some of your podcasters and learn about new media, then uh, check out the website, celebration.sqpn.com. And that's love to see uh, you in Boston. Yeah, the CNMC is taking place on August uh, 7, if I'm not mistaken. So that's that's, ca- that's going to be really cool if you want to meet us in person. Uh, Mike, where can people follow you on Facebook? Because you always write so much about Star Trek on Facebook. Well, they can friend me, I guess. Uh, just search uh, for Michael Kuypers, K-U-Y-P-E-R-S, on Facebook. And... Uh, and uh, just request to be my friend, I guess. Very cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for listening. And uh, we will see you next week for another episode of The Secrets of Star Trek. And we don't know yet what the topic is going to be about, but, uh, uh, well, (laughs) we'll see. We have a week to prepare. Um, Special best wishes and prayers for all the mothers that are listening to this or to all the kids that have mothers. Give them a good hug on Mother's Day. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. God bless and live long and prosper. Computer on. Record. Recording, dear. Computer, you will not address me in that manner. Compute. Computed. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.